G'day and welcome to a Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much to both of them. Now, if you may miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher, so no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Today, though, I'm going to have one of those days, I'm going to do things slightly different to what we do in the past. I have my uh, partner in crime, so to speak, the editor of, of our shows. We've got Sue Yin Olgan here, who is courses in English language and literature, and it's, has been a tremendous help to me over the years with doing grad chat. So I've brought her back because I want, like I said, I want to do something slightly different, not necessarily talking about research, but talking about the grad experience and how we can balance our work and life experiences as we go through grad school. So, Suyin, great to have you on Grad Chat again. Hi, thank you for having me back. She's not normally that shy, <laughs> but there we go. And it's interesting because we're doing this online again through um, some software, which is which is great, makes things a lot easier, particularly when, even though the we keep thinking we're getting out of the pandemic, but there's still some restrictions. And uh, of course, we still have to be safe, even though some things have changed. Like I said, what I want to do is talk a little bit more about some of the things that are going to be happening in grad school over the spring, summer, but also looking at what it's like being a grad student with all these extra things that go on around us, extra pressures, um, and I was sort of mentioning earlier to Sue Yin is that, you know, university life has changed. It was changing before the pandemic and it's changed even more during the pandemic. And by change, I mean, we're still an academic institution, absolutely. And we're here for higher education. And I know a lot of our students are here for the research. But it's changed in, in the the way people perceive universities these days, the way students think about their time during their life at a university and their expectations of the university and what they want to do after university. Before, Mm -hmm. a lot of people who went on and did graduate studies, they knew exactly what they wanted to do. and, And most of them, or a lot of them, were to go continue in academia or in the research area, whether they're working with, you know, outside um, organizations and companies, Mm -hmm. industry and and places like that. But that's changing. And uh, so our students either having to relook about what their goals are or what they are hoping to do, or come in with a totally different mindset in the first place. Uh, you know, their first priority is not necessarily to go into academia. They want to use this as a stepping stone to go into other career options. So, um, so you, let me ask you about that. I mean, has your, the time that you've been at Queen's, has your thoughts on what would be next? Has that changed for you at all over the time? Oh, my gosh. Yes, it changes almost every term. (laughs) (laughs) It has changed differently, to be honest, because when the conversation started to be online primarily, it opened some opportunities to reevaluate how we think of how careers 
or career skills are developed. And it, it sort of brought this perspective on what transferable skills looks like or what, what you can do with that. So for me, specifically, it changed in so many ways because I realized that you, you come into a program and there's this bubble of what you're looking forward to and this is what it looks like. And it really, you don't have the time to really think about how difficult that even is by the time you're applying for jobs. It's not that simple. You don't finish your PhD and then you get tenure track. That's, but, but the ideal of, right. oh, I'm going to do this. I can do this. That's sort of a driving force at the early stages. Right. But later on, you realize that that's not enough, that that's not the case, that there's so many ways to navigate it. They, they, you, if you give yourself, I gave myself a chance to explore different things that reminded me that I, there's so many things I love to do and there's so many other ways to do it. It didn't provide this clear path, but I learned to be okay with not having that clear one right. job goal or that my professionalization was not dependent on the dissertation as much as with the experiences that I had along the way. And right. I know it's very cliche that it's the, you know, but but it's true for me. The having to reassess the way I do things, even just in teaching, helped me realize that these changes can be positive as well. They can mm-hmm. actually be very productive, very helpful if we take this as an opportunity that can lead towards something about a more balanced approach to the goals or to our goals, career goals, otherwise. Well, that, that's really good. And it's interesting that you, you know, we're talking about, you know, what's next steps, i.e. careers. And people say, well, aren't you getting too far ahead of yourself at time thinking about what happens next? Don't you just want to get through your degree? But as, you know, whenever we talk to our, our colleagues, of course, at Career Services, they're always saying, don't wait till you finish to start thinking about mm-hmm. career opportunities not saying that you're going to come out with a job straight away, but there's things you can be learning about yourself along the way to help you make that decision when you've finished of what are my next steps? What do I want to do next? What have I got to offer certain certain careers? You know, I, I can't push enough what career services can do for our students and and I'm wanting our students to go and speak to them early to get mm-hmm. themselves set up. So they're not leaving it at the end. So I say, well, what have I done? Let's figure this out now and start mm-hmm. writing it down now. So you don't have to remember it later because you've already got it. Or what, mm-hmm. what are you, what skills are you wanting to learn? Okay. Mm-hmm. Then maybe you need to do this, this, and this. Absolutely. You're right. But but it is all about learning about what skills that we do have along the way. And some of those skills that, you know, when I initially started this interview talking about how things have changed along the way, of how, how things have changed at universities, how the student reflections are, are different to what they were, say, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And leading into this this area of, again, as you say, a cliche, the work-life balance of what can we do to ensure we do what we need to do to complete our degree and Mm -hmm. hopefully enjoy that along the way. But what else do we need to do around that to ensure that we, we don't get to a point of everything being so overwhelming that we can't cope? Mm-hmm. or getting to the point where 
we're not looking after our own bodies, both mentally and physically, because the li- life has got so fast these days. I mean, you just yeah. look at technology. Everything has to be done on, you know, within a blink of an eye. Otherwise, wow, it's slow. What's going mm-hmm. on? And we're going to get left behind. So yeah. there's all these little extra things that are happening at a university now and both student faculty and staff we're all feeling it yes but what I what I'm trying to get there is that you know that student if I'm just purely looking at students like yourself and and grad students in particular of course how how are what kind of things do you do for instance to make sure you get that work-life balance because I know you want to finish your PhD but you're also teaching Mm-hmm. You're also being a TA. You're also doing like helping me. You've also got a kid to to bring up. How are you making sure that your own mental and physical well-being is being looked after? Is that something you have to do yourself or there is there are the things that you have tapped into at school that you've been able to to use to help keep yourself on track and healthy? Well, that, well, you know, the saying practice what you preach. <laughs> I have a hard time practicing. And I am very fortunate to have a very great support system that remind me to look after myself. That's good. And, and I think that it's always easier to take the time and you do it with fully for somebody else. You do it fully. You care. And, and you will think it's easy to do it for yourself, but it's not. So I am not great at it, even though I just like the stories I tell myself, like tomorrow I'm going to walk more tomorrow. And I even got this little app that reminds me that I haven't got up in the whole day and things like that. I'm not very good at it, but for myself, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, at least when it comes to some the, the physical parts of it, diet or the exercise that is very important. Getting there can be challenging at times when a lot of things are happening and it's easier to postpone it to get mm-hmm. something done. So I struggle with that still. However, when I do take the time for myself, I, am, I learn to be okay when I, my brain decides that today is not the day. And I learn, and I tell this to my students as well, you need the rest. And sometimes the work gets done faster if you have that rest. Right. And so that's something that I have to do for myself as well and to remind myself that it's okay. So I feel like that's one step from before. There's so much I could do. And and this is why I, I love discussing all of those opportunities and I think that last summer we were talking about when the wellness program started. Yes. We were talking about the, um, that it's, it's great to try it. You don't have to try them all, but there's some work for me. Some do not work for me. And I, but, I, I, but I find that giving it a chance, I'm trying to make that a goal to give every, this little opportunities a chance to just find what works for me now. Because what worked then... It's just not necessarily the case when you're still cautious to go to the gym, for example, when you're still right. cautious to do all of these things. But I, I, I wanted to, to ask you that because, I mean, part of it, do you find that when you're collaborating or thinking of this opportunities for students, do you see 
areas where you you're reminded that that's something that you should do for yourself as well oh (laughs) totally totally i am like you hopeless at practicing what i preach um totally see that but one of the things i think is like you said hearing it all the time is a reminder that Mm. we've all got to sort of slow down a little bit at times because we're all sort of going oh we've got to do this got to do this etc but sometimes you do need to slow down and take a breath. That's why having holidays is important. And I know I'm meant to be on holiday and I've been really bad at, at sort of switching off because it takes me a while to switch off. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same for a student. When you know your end goal is to get that degree, how do you give yourself permission to switch yeah. off from time to time and go, you know what, I am going to go for a walk and get some fresh air or I'm going to go meet up with my buddies and have a cup of coffee because you, because you feel guilty. You feel yeah. guilty for taking that time off. And we've all got to learn not to feel guilty. Yes. Uh, you know, the work will still be there the next yeah. day. Um, and like you said, if you give this yourself permission to take some time off, you're more often than not more productive when you do go back to your work because you've had a break. And this is where things like our writing camps, mm-hmm. particularly our lake writing camps like the Lake Shift and Dissertation on the Lake, are perfect opportunities for our students to not only get some writing done, but also give themselves permission to go and enjoy nature and go and enjoy a chat with some mates around the campfire. And so those camps are are meant to be for writing. Absolutely. That's why they've been put together. But they're also to help our students re-energize and take some time out away from more technology, away from distractions, so that when they do come back, they're mentally and physically more able to cope with what's required to complete their degree. Absolutely. And, you know, part of that, the, the, the way that these camps work, it has lunch breaks. and It forces you to take a break. It forces you to take a break. And, I mean, it's, Elbow Lake is, is just beautiful. But it feels, you know, we, we always need evidence. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's a researcher exactly for you. <laughs> to realize that if you take a break to eat, if you take a break for a walk, if you take a break to just hang out with your mates by the fire, that you can still write a couple of hours, that you can still be productive, that it actually, it's not so overwhelming that you go four days just trying to recover from a yep. marathon of nine hours, no breaks, no food, nothing, because you're pushing through. The writing retreats and writing boot camps are a perfect opportunity to read to, for you to discover that it is possible. And then you get those tools to try to replicate them at home. It's not always easy, but it, you, always, you, cannot turn, you cannot take it back anymore. You know it's mm-hmm. possible. <laughs> exactly. Well, and particularly, for instance, you know, when with the writing retreats, the mm-hmm. those students who are parents like yourself it i'm hoping it shows people you know you can still go to a campsite with your kids and, and your family mm-hmm. and enjoy a weekend with them and if you want to still say look you know what you guys go off and play i've got two hours of work i want to do 
and then I can join you. So you still done two hours in a beautiful setting, but still mm-hmm. had the opportunity to enjoy time with your family and then with you. Yes. Um, and that's the whole point of some of these campers, learning that there's different habits we can create. Yes, we need to finish writing, but it doesn't mean to say you have to lock yourself away for the full weekend. Mm-hmm. Do a couple of solid hours and then enjoy time with the family or yes. with your mates or whoever. Yes. And, you know, even when it comes, I know that this, this is a conversation that we had a lot, especially when you are in the senior years and and you're balancing so much, but you also have the pressure of completing. Mm-hmm. And we brought in uh, Aprajita Sarkar, who's now an alumni yes. in history. And she gave a talk about mental health, uh, especially for international students, but also getting to grad school and the precarities that uh, grad students encounter, especially after the, um, you're getting that clock ticking to complete. Mm-hmm. And, and it was very curious because she admitted that before she used to always recommend just sit down and write, write, write. doesn't matter what you write, just sit down and write. And she said that during this period of lockdowns and, and, and working from home and, and trying to take care of your mental health in a different way that you, without the tools that you normally will get because you couldn't go out as much or see people or connect with friends as much. She said that she, she doesn't recommend to just write, 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 but to just put the content even just in an audio. So record yourself or right. talk about it. So so it doesn't have to be write, 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 and it's a chapter per se. But she said, you know, I didn't think that that will work. And I'm not, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not doing it justice because she was marvelous in that. <laughs> but the main idea is that in the form, sometimes doesn't matter because sometimes you're too tired and writing is a very different exercise. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that there's restlessness in there that you, you're thinking through and sometimes just record a, a little recording, like an audio. Yes. Having those moments when you just take this audio, a, a, a voice recording of what you're thinking about in your chapter and even there's software that can th- transcribe it for you or anything else that just gets those ideas out of your how do you head? So it feels like you're doing something, yep. but it's not just attached to content on your chapter right. anymore because it, part of this is also realizing that the way that we used to work is just not there. We're trying to recreate the way, even go, coming back for us in the work, in the writing, we're trying to recreate the way that we used to do it, but the, but it's not, unfortunately, mm-hmm. the same. But that doesn't mean that we cannot find ways and I think that, yeah and I think uh, student academic success services would say that as well I mean they have lots of different ways of getting your thoughts down on paper or on audio um, mm-hmm. there's the, there was talk about you know, was it free writing or something whatever comes in your head just write it down doesn't matter if the sentence structure is wrong or no grammar or anything just get it on the paper you can fix that up later so it's either whether you write it down on paper because you've got a, pe- a napkin next to you and you had a thought write it down on a napkin yes. or as you said if you've got if you've got a little well everyone can take things on your phone these days mm-hmm. so just talk to your phone you've got an idea chuck it down there and you can sort it out later yeah but freeing your mind of that thought because you because if you're like me I'm thinking I mustn't forget that I mustn't forget that and of course I promptly forget it yes. and I thought I know that was a good idea but I can't remember what it was because I didn't write it down or record it anywhere mm-hmm. um, so yeah all good all good little tips and I think 
when we're talking about wellness, yeah, there's lots of different things that we can we can do there. And you know, I with our orientations and things that we're looking, we're always looking to see what can we do better to get students really prepared to oh, and to understand what it what it's going to be like being a grad student. Yes. It's not all rosy. We know that. Uh, we wish it was, but that would be naive to think that everything's always rosy. So what can we do to help them get through that in the best possible way? And of course, that is looking after yourself along the way and yeah. where, where all the wellness stuff comes in. If we don't look after ourselves, we can't cope with things that come left field to us that we, we weren't expecting. Um, exactly. And that's when the adaptability and flexibility, all that sort of thing comes in. So, you know, maybe I could ask you this. With the fact that things have changed at university a little bit, I mean, we're still there. Our predominant primary role is higher education. For a new student coming in to grad studies, what would be your number one tip to them be of how to get through grad school? So I put you on the spot there. No, that's that's a great question. And I, I should know this because I get that question a lot for orientation. <laughs> and to be honest, I will say learn to be compassionate towards yourself. It's not easy. I think that, that that has changed so much in the way that I perceive things. And I'm so thankful to uh, Lindsay Brandt from the uh, Center for Teaching and Learning and her the model for the pedagogy of peace has really help me understand what that means and having right. that compassion and having that because that you're going to need that it is one one of the steps so i really recommend to learn about including indigenous knowledge into your pedagogy and in, into your uh, research methodologies as well there's a lot of very right. fantastic resources out there prepared by the center of indigenous initiatives of queens and by four directions and i think that that learning about them can really help you come in and develop this knowledge that can help you get through so many areas in your graduate life and uh, both professionally, personally, and uh, academically. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because I know I've learned a lot from our colleagues at Four Directions and the Office of Indigenous Initiatives along the way and, our, you know, colleagues in the Centre for Teaching and Learning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's a really good point. And I found what I've learned over the years has helped ground me a little bit better in understanding where I fit in the big picture yes. of things and how important it is for me to make sure I keep the surroundings in good shape and including yes. myself yes um, exactly because we're part of it right and that you're learning that it's a learning a relation with ourselves impact the relationship that we have with the world and in, in in learning to feel like there's many ways of building communities that there there's many ways of finding this and creating these connections that it's not going to be a linear path no matter how right. i wish that were true there's there's no certainty or guarantees in, in, in things and sometimes understanding that things change that if you change along the way that's okay but if you have, you feel and give yourself those pep talks and reframing your the standards that you have for yourself learning to communicate those emotions learning to communicate your needs to 
supervisors to your mentors it's important because if they don't know it, they can't help you and they want to learn how to help you okay. so i think that i will say learning that pedagogy of peace <laughs> will be a good step and having learning compassion because that can make a big difference yeah. I, I i really like that learning compassion about yourself being compassionate for yourself i think i think that's really really good and i i want to put it that way but you said it very eloquently so thank you thank you for that and it's kind of like you know we're going to have some new students arriving for may because uh, not everyone starts in september mm-hmm. and it's going to be important for them when they're coming into the university setting where the undergrads are going home or have mm-hmm. already gone home. So there's not as many people on campus. Yeah. A lot of our grad students, now that things are opening up a little bit more, are probably getting on to being able to go and do some field research out of town, yes. which they haven't been able to do for two years. So there's not going to be many people around. So it's going to be really, really important for our new students arriving that they uh, we go above and beyond to say welcome. I yes. think. I mean, we should all. Everyone should be welcoming any student to campus, but even more so when there's not much around at the time. So whether mm-hmm. you've got a new student coming into your department, I, I hope our students will reach out to them and say, you know, g'day, and yes. you know, let, can we show you around? And mm-hmm. have you met this person and this person? Are you aware about this and this? You know, these sorts of resources and and things. Yeah. And I think, you know. The reason why we ask our students to come and help with some of those orientation type events and, and any event in general is because students want to meet students. Yes. And create connections with other students who are doing like minded things. I can be an administrator and I love meeting our new students, but they don't necessarily want to talk to me. They want to meet other students of their own age and, and things like that. So that's going to be really, really important and also set the scene to start that journey in a positive way and then that can make things so much easier or easier as as they're progressing absolutely so thank you thank you for all that Asuya. there's some some things i just want to put out there just so our students know some of the things that are going to be happening over summer some are part of our expanding horizons workshop series and we've got a new series coming in it's called financial literacy it's four, four different workshops and kind of areas on looking at loans and insurances, budgeting and long-term financial planning, investing and tax and tuition credits, all really important things for students, both during their studies and, of course, long-term. I mean, these are skills that you can learn now but use moving forward as well. And as a student, we know budgeting is really, really important with the, the funds that you have to make sure you can get through studies as easily as yeah. possible so that's one group of things that are going to be starting in may so uh, it's just been finalized so we will be starting to promote that and then there's another new program i want to start this summer and I've, I've got some names to some student names to reach out to in our film and media program because we want to join in and do what's called gradflix so it's like a three-minute thesis but it's by video. Um, it's creating a video. Uh, I haven't decided whether we make it one or two minutes. Um, if it was Ooh. two minutes, then you can also put into the Shirk video contest as well. Um, a lot of the other universities who are doing it are only doing it one minute. And it was it was created by University of Waterloo. And they've been doing it for a couple of years now. And more, more of the students of 
universities in Ontario are starting to do it. And I'd like us to do it this summer. And there'll be workshops to teach our students how to put together a video, whether you want it cartoon-like or with real people in the video, um, with, with words and music and all that sort of thing. So we will do that. But again, it's to showcase what is your research. Awesome. And uh, but put it on in in a video format, and then of course we'll have a, a nice little um, session where we can showcase the top videos okay. for people with popcorn and all that sort of thing. Still hoping we can do something bigger than that. Um, I'm I'm working on a proposal for that. I, I won't spill the beans in case it doesn't come to fruition this year, but maybe mm-hmm. in future years. But definitely, I think, again, we're talking about knowledge and mobilization, another way to get your work out there that maybe will suit other people to to hear. Some people are better looking at visuals rather than just talking, like the 3MT is purely talking, whereas this one has got some visuals in it with still with talking, but it's moving. (laughs) So I'm really looking forward to giving that a go. Um, And I hope people will get behind it because I've been watching some of the other university grad flicks and they've been absolutely awesome. That sounds so exciting. So my plug here is follow the School of Graduate Studies Instagram page, Twitter account, (laughs) Twitter page. And everything else. And don't forget to read the (laughs) newsletter. Yes, please. Yes, please. (laughs) So Ian, this has been a great chat again, and I know we're running out of time, so we have to move on. But thank you again for coming on the show and giving us your insight into what it's like being a grad student over the last few years of, of change at academic institutions. So I really appreciate that, have your, your, your honesty too. I mean, it's not always easy to do, but I, I do appreciate that. So thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, well, you're going to be editing it, but there we go. <laughs> yeah. My so that's part. it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it, everyone. A, another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget, you can download load the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Just type in Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.